You may be seated. How many of you have enjoyed, some of you have seen it, some of you hadn't, um, the uh, Baby Drew videos. Um, Baby Drew is a star, he's a hit, and um, this week we're, we're talking about um, dialing in you know, some positive influences, and um, in this video, Wes and Jen are trying to dial in the positive influence in Baby Drew's life, and watch what happens. He is a bad boy, and uh, his parents should do something about that. That's, that's where we're headed with this whole series. Um, I want you to pretend with me for a moment that you are eavesdropping on a group of kids about to do something really, really stupid. Every one of them knows it's wrong, 
And these are the responses that they are giving for not doing it. The reasons they're giving for not doing it, we're going to put these up on the screen, and I want you to determine which one you would want your kids to say. All right? First, first response. I'm not going to do that. My mom would kill me. Any of you said that when you were younger? Okay, a few. All right, next one. I'm not, I'm not either going to do that. I would feel really bad. I don't even think I'd like it. I never said that one. Anybody else say that one? Okay, next one. No way I'm going to do it either. We might get caught. Now, I did say that one. I didn't say I'm not going to do it. I said we shouldn't do it because we might get caught, but we did it anyway, and sometimes we got caught. Um, I don't think it's a good idea because we might get hurt. Thought never crossed my mind. Any of y'all ever think, you know, we really... Now, I will say this. As I was falling off the scaffolding, taking down part of the, uh, the drop ceiling the other day... Um, <laughs> I was thinking as I was standing on the top rung of the scaffolding where you're not supposed to stand, this is not a step, you know, and I'm up there hanging on to the purlin at the top. The thought crossed my mind, I shouldn't be doing this. And Andy's here today. Andy told me that, you know, go with your first instinct, which was the first instinct I had when I got stuck at his house when I tore up my Durango and his friend's truck. Um, it's my first response most of the time is I shouldn't be doing this. And Andy said, go with your first response. When I told Janie, actually the kids told on me that I fell off the scaffolding and, and almost hurt myself. Um, they told their mom and she said, what did Andy tell you? Oh, so anyway, this at least crossed my mind. I don't, I don't go, I don't heed that advice, but it at least crosses my mind. Next one. It's wrong. <laughs> Any of y'all... Now, I didn't say it. Somewhere back there, there was a conscience that God created in me and in you. Um, somewhere back there, it's, it's wrong, you know, but that voice was not loud enough, okay? Is there any more? Are there any more? Is there any more? I went to school in Borger, Texas. I really don't want to. I think it would make my parents sad. Y'all are laughing like, no. I knew this crowd was pretty rough. Uh, next one. That's it? Okay. So, if you were a parent, which of those responses would you want your kids to have? It's wrong? Oh, okay. So, so you didn't have a conscience, but you want your kids to have a conscience, right? I see how that works. Don't do as I do, do as I say do. Um, okay. Now, all of them had decided... Now, check this out. All of them had decided not to break the rules, but for different reasons. Some are not breaking the rules for fear of punishment, getting caught, you know, that type of deal, or getting in trouble... Um, others have internal reasons. I guess that's a little better to have internal reasons. Like one uh, might feel bad about um, not keeping the rules or feel good about keeping the rules. That's a certain personality type, but that's a talk for another day. Another is concerned about his, how his parents might feel. And as these kids are making choices about whether to follow the rules or not, who was there guiding them? Their parents weren't, or were they? My suggestion to you today is that their parents were there, not physically, but internally. God has wired us so that we internalize our parents' values and their, and, and their correction, and all of that becomes a part of us and guides us. Our kids learn our values. You know how they learn our values? Through relationship with us and through our discipline of them. But what if the parent was absent? Whose value system does that child internalize? Whomever is around. And that's a scary thing. Nothing will have more impact on your child's life than your relationship with them. And, and I want to make a very bold prediction today. The kids who will have the most trouble in life 
are the ones who have no relationship with their parents. Um, so let's look at our first thing on our listening guide, our first premise that we're going to look at today. The, the kids that are going to struggle, struggle are the ones who have, their parents have dialed themselves out of their children's lives. First premise, when it matters most, the quality of your relationship with your child will determine the weight of your influence. Quality of relationship equals the weight of your influence. Now, for um, some really insightful um, parenting tips, we are going to turn to the movie Big Daddy, because everybody knows Adam Sandler is the perfect parent. Watch how he handles this new parenting responsibility. Go to your room, I think, or do whatever you want. That's some pretty good parenting advice, isn't it? Um, do you think his parenting um, style worked? No. He was, he was reacting the polar opposite of the way he was parented. His dad controlled him, so he was going to give no control and all the control to this kid, and, and it didn't work very well. Now, let me ask you, if the phone were to ring this afternoon, and it is one of your parents. Now, just, you know, you, your parents may be already gone, but let's just say your parents were to call and they were to offer you some advice on a major decision that you need to make. How would you respond to their advice? Don't answer out loud. Um, just keep that in your head. Here's what I can tell you. 
the quality of your relationship with your parents when you were growing up has determined the weight of their influence today. Make sense? Either you didn't have a relationship so they have no influence or you had a strong relationship and they had much relationship, uh, much influence on you today. No relationship equals no influence. And I can tell you this little, little deal. We've talked about this before. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. You look at the most rebellious children, generally, well, in, in most cases, it's because there is some mess up in the relationship with the parents. You think back of the, the friends you know that were rebellious. If you were rebellious, it has to do with the quality or lack thereof of relationship with your parents. So here's what I want to do. You have this on your listening guide. I'm going to draw this box up here, this chart, and let's explain it like this. This vertical line um, represents your, your control. This horizontal line here represents your child's age. I know it's kind of hard to see on the, on the edges. Now, here's what, here's what should happen. If you, take a, um, if you draw a 45-degree line all the way across there, what we're going to say is that this top half is size and, and uh, position. Position. Now, this bottom, uh, this bottom sector here, we're going to call that influence. Now, what should happen, this is at birth. At birth, your child is totally dependent on you. And so, even though you think you have control, <laughs> you really do have control about what they wear, where they go, things like that. You don't have control of other things that you're trying to train them, bodily functions and stuff like that, that you're trying to get them in control of themselves. But here's what should happen. As they get older, size and influence does not matter anymore. It diminishes, and in an ideal relationship with your children, influence increases. Because... If you don't realize that your whole job as a parent is to transition from size and position to influence. And, and I want you to mark something right about here. We're going to call this the critical age. This is 13. This is where we get our, our PG-13 title from. If you hadn't realized it, by the time they reach 13, you have already done the majority of parenting that you're going to do. I don't, I'm not saying you abdicate your responsibility when they're 13. But it's at 13 that they are making this major change. Puberty takes over. They begin to look like adults, whether they act like them or not. They don't act like them. But, but all of a sudden, they go through changes, and they're having hormonal things, and they're really working on their independence, and all of this stuff is happening at age 13. If you've not done your job between here and 13, it's not too late, but it's almost too late. You've got some massive catching up to do. And if you are still trying to be bigger and control them when they're at 13, your influence will become almost null and void because they will tune you out. You, you, uh, you remember those old uh, Charlie Brown cartoons? Every adult goes, wah, 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 wah. You never, that's what they hear if you try to use size and position to impose your will upon them. You remember your parents. If they did a good job with this, they still have influence in your life today. If they didn't do such a good job, they have no influence in your life today. It all comes down to relationship. Because you try to impose your will when the warranty is run out, <laughs> warranty runs out about 13. 
and, and you've got some major things to do. And um, the logical result of parenting in a way that our influence increases is that when our kids reach the most important decisions of their lives, those decisions that will impact the rest of their lives, you've got, you've got influence if you do it right. You don't have influence if you've done it wrong. The logical result is that um, you will have influence in their lives if you've done parenting right and you won't if you've done parenting wrong. I want you to tell me some important decisions that teenagers are making that they may not be prepared to make by themselves. Just, just throw some out there. What are some important decisions teenagers are making that they're probably not qualified to make on, on their own that will affect the rest of their lives? Sex, pregnancy, drinking, drugs, money, moving out. <laughs> All of these things. Whom to date? Whom to marry? What college to go to? What type of education? What type of vocation will they have for their future? All of these are major decisions that our kids are not totally equipped to make. And if you have done parenting right, you have major influence in their lives. If you've done parenting wrong, then you have no influence. And, and we've all seen those teenagers that make bad choices simply to show their parents that they're in charge. I'll show them. I'll make the most ignorant decision that could be made on the face of the planet and destroy my life in the process, but I'm in control. We've seen that happen. You see, what, um, what parents are doing is we are rating ourselves on external things. Let me give you some examples. My kids have nice clothes to wear, and they have more toys than I had. So what? Um, my kids are going to the best schools and they're in all kinds of extracurricular activities. From sunup till sundown, they are in all these activities. So what? There will come a time, there will come a day, I guarantee you, that you would trade every one of those things. Money, fame, um, success in extracurricular activities, brand name this, brand... You would trade every one of those things for influence in your kids' lives. There will come a day, mark my words... Maybe a better question we ought to ask is, am I having a better relationship with my child than my parents had with me? Because I want you to think through this process. What if our goal, what if my goal and your goal was to have a stronger and healthier relationship with my child than my parents had with me? How do you think that would affect the trajectory of our nation? Within two or three generations, we would look totally different than we do today. Maybe that should be our goal. If I'm not trying to have a better relationship with my child than my parents had with me, I'm robbing my child and I am robbing myself. The longer you try to use size and influence, the less your kids will think of you as relevant. Um, one of our friends was sharing, was kind of lamenting uh, to my wife this week about the fact that she has lost her child. She said, I have lost my child. He does not listen to anything that I have to say. Um, and, and she said all he cares about are his friends. You know how old he is? Thirteen. Thirteen. And all he hears is wah, 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 wah. And, and she is lamenting that. She is hurting over the fact that her child thinks she's irrelevant. But what do you do when you, when you realize you're losing influence? You know what a lot of parents do? They result to bribery or guilt. It's been so long since you came to see me. I'm not getting any younger, you know. 
think I got the black lung, Pop. You, you, you laugh because some people have pulled that trash on you, right? Does it work? Does that make you want to see them? No. no. Or they'll try bribery. I bought you something you're going to love, but you've got to come by the house to get it. I bought something your kids would die for. So come hang out with me for about 16 hours one Saturday, and when you get ready to leave, I'll give it to your kids. Does that make you want to be with them? Bribery and guilt don't work. Doesn't make you feel wanted and loved, does it? Makes you feel pressured. Makes you feel like someone's trying to control you. If it didn't work with you, what makes you think it will work with your children? Um, There has to be a better way. And, and we do this every week. We, we look at the problems and then we say, there is a better way and it's contained here in the roadmap for life. It's God's way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father uh, except through me. Jesus is telling us about a way not just to get to heaven. He's telling us that there's a way to do life. God has a way that if we will parent His way, we'll raise kids that are mature, responsible adults that like us. Isn't that part of the goal? Let's look at God's way in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there and you can mark some things down. A lot of times I, I mark in my Bible. It's okay to write in your Bible, as long as you're writing good stuff in your Bible, not like what you used to do to the hymnals. Um, I know you and I know a lot of you. Um, but you can write good stuff in there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. If you don't have your Bibles, follow along on the screen. Fathers, and and this applies to fathers or mothers, so moms, don't think you're off the hook. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, God chose you to be your child's parent. God did not make a mistake in giving you that child. You may have made a mistake. The child may have been conceived in sin. But that didn't surprise God. I say there are no illegitimate children. There may be illegitimate relationships, but the child produced from that illegitimate relationship is not illegitimate. That's just natural consequences of you choosing to live outside of God's will. So, the child is legitimate. God chose you to be the parent of that child, and it may be to finish raising you, (laughs) to finish helping you grow up, but at the same time, we've got a responsibility to that child. God chose you, that means He wants you to be His hands, His feet, His voice to dispense grace and truth into that living being so that they grow up to reflect God to a a watching world. And God is ready to help you. God, God is not surprised by what you do wrong or do right. God is not surprised by what your child does wrong or does right. It's not like the God of the universe is sitting up there and goes, Whoa, your little Timmy did what? That's a new one. Good luck with that. That's not how God operates. God has given us all kinds of instructions on parenting. The the problem is we don't listen. We don't pay attention. In this verse, exasperate means to abuse your position. Exasperate means you abuse your size and your position to impose your will on that child. And you are probably big enough physically that you can impose your will on your child. But if you do it in a way that you abuse them, you are not going to get influence. They're going to sign off on you. And, and you're going to have nothing left in their life. Um, 
exasperate. That's what it means to exasperate your children, is to abuse your size and your position. Have you ever done that to get your kids to do what you want? I have. I've done it. I'm bigger than my kids, and I'm mean sometimes. Hush. (laughs) This is not testimony time. Um, I am. I can be mean. And I don't want to be, but I can be. I was mean last night. And and it was... This goes back to my childhood. It's not his fault. It goes back to my childhood. He came in and, and said, Would you do something? And, and uh, he doesn't even know this, but, but this made me flash back to when I was a child and, and I, was, I was being controlled. And so I, I lashed out at him verbally because I thought he was trying to control me. How kind of messed up am I? He's pretty messed up, thank you. Um, so this morning I had to apologize and ask for forgiveness. And I told him why. You know, I just, I was thinking this, and it wasn't your fault. And Anyway, um, it doesn't make you feel good when someone tries to abuse you and control you, so why do we think that'll work with our children? Um, a better way is to validate our kids uh, as people. Affirmation comes much more from um, your actions and, and, and less from lectures. Lectures ever work for you? Me either. Um, which statement would, would you rather hear if you've, if you've messed up? Or if something's messing you up? Gosh, I can see that you're really sad about that. I must, that must have been really important to you. Or, why are you getting upset about something so stupid? Which one makes you feel validated? Um, we forget that to our kids, everything is huge. And this, again, Janie's taught me so much because I don't come by this naturally. I wasn't taught it, and so I'm having to try to break out of a lot of stuff from my past. Hannah's cat was stolen. Our neighbor saw the cat being stolen. She didn't know it was our cat, all this stuff. Hannah's now lost four kittens. We had this cat less than a week. She watched it grow for six weeks. It was at the Cartmel home, and they were giving away. She got to choose it, and it was stolen. So I knew trauma, you know, and usually when trauma happens, especially with the girls, I'm like, that's what you're here for, baby. You go handle that because you're the nice one. And uh, so Janie was taking a bath, and so I'm going in to kiss Hannah, and big old tears, and I'm thinking, my first thought, because I'm such a sensitive guy, was I am not going to get to sleep anytime soon. I was exhausted because I'd worked about 10 hours out of the building, and I was just thinking, oh, dear Lord, no. And in a God moment, this had to be God because I'm a jerk. In a God moment... I said, what's wrong, baby? And she said, I'm thinking about Annie. Big old tears coming down her cheeks. And, uh, and so in a God moment, rather than blow her off and say, well, your mom will be here in a minute, I said, um, did I ever tell you about my pets? And she goes, no, sir. And, and I told her, and it hadn't hit me until then. Every dog I ever had was run over by a car. We live next to a highway. Every stinking dog. So I started telling her about Corky and Boots and, and Cricket. And Cricket was a little midget dog. And I started telling her about all of this. And I told her about the different dogs and how weird they were. Because we always went to the pound and we got the most psychotic dog. Not intentionally, but that's what it was. Strange dogs. And she got to laughing. And before I knew it, God, God spoke to me in you know, one of those moments. You go, oh, dude. I just connected with my daughter. Because I validated her feelings. And I said, I know how you feel. Now, I didn't walk in. I walked in there to kiss her and say, I'm going to bed because I'm passing out. 
And luckily, God got my attention and I connected with her. So when you have problems that seem big, what you need to do is connect with your child. Um, now, here's what I, I'm not telling you that your child needs a best buddy in you. Uh-uh. They need a parent. You will have to establish boundaries, and when you establish boundaries, you will not be popular. I said last week, your child is not your ally in internalizing character traits that will help them be a successful adult. But what I'm saying is you don't have to be a jerk to get your point across. Janie and I were talking about her mom, and her mom was her hero. Her mom's in a nursing home now, Alzheimer's. Her mom doesn't even recognize her anymore, and it's devastating to my wife. And uh, she was telling me about years ago when she was in high school, she came home one day and she had a C on her report card. And uh, C was like, you didn't do that. In my house, there would have been weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But in her house, Janie walks in and her mom says, hey, um, did you get your report card yet? And Janie said, oh, yeah, it's in the car. And her mom said, why don't you go get it? And she goes, I'll get it later. So her mom decided to, you know, cut to the chase. She goes, I know you got a C. And Janie froze. Her teacher had called and told Janie's mom. And so Janie just froze. She thought, oh, no. And and no yelling, no screaming. Her mom said, if you don't bring that grade up, you will not drive. Janie lived out in the country, small town, and driving was power, everything. And she said, you will not drive. Because, see, in in her, her family, her mom meant what she said. She didn't have to say it twice. If you come in late, you are grounded. There are consequences to irresponsible behavior. And in her mom's book, a C was irresponsible behavior. And so she learned a life lesson that when you break the rules, there are consequences. Isn't that life? No yelling, no screaming. You can get your point across without that. Her mom's her hero, and so even now, her mom can't communicate with her, but she still has influence in Janie's lives because of of this upbringing. Uh, Do not exasperate means you have clear boundaries, you and your child understand, and you enforce them in a reasonable manner. But many times, um, many times we have unwritten rules in our house. These are actual unwritten rules that people shared, uh, uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend in one of their books on raising kids. They, the parents, these, these adults were asked, what are some rules you learned from your parents? They were never spoken rules, but it was things you learned. Here's what they learned. Thou shalt not speak the truth about certain issues. It will make your father angry. Thou shalt not display sadness. It angers your mother. Thou shalt not make a mistake ever. You should already know how to do it before you're told. Thou shalt be able to guess the mood of your father and do not disturb him. Thou shalt not want to be independent. It is an abomination. We could come up with a whole list, right? Unwritten rules that we learned from our parents. And no family in their right mind would put them on the kitchen wall and say, let's recite these before we eat our evening meal together. Um, But they will be memorized. Our kids will memorize them and it will come back in the future. We are shaping our kids by how we live regardless of what we say. So don't exasperate them. Do not abuse your position. And then God gives us the positive, but bring them up. You ever seen a master gardener, what they do in, in, with their crops, with their plants? They feed, they nurture, they care for, they protect, they water, they, they nourish. That's the picture God is giving us. You put them in a position so that they are more likely to succeed rather than pushing them out on their own. So you've got to ask yourself, what can I do 
to enhance my relationship with my child. Now, if you need any more relationship, here's the second premise on your listening guide. Your relationship with your children will impact the quality of their future relationships. That includes your relationship with you. Check out what Adam Sandler and his dad had to say at the end of this movie. Oh, if only it were as easy as Hollywood makes it seem. Um, when you make a deposit of time in your child's life, you are actually impacting their future, all their future relationships, and that includes their relationship with you. Um, here's the general thing. Um, when we raise emotionally healthy kids, they tend to be attracted to and hang out with and marry emotionally healthy people which by extension means I get to hang out with emotionally healthy people in the future because you married the whole freaking family. Right? Okay, I'm uh, sorry. Now, actually, that was more for my wife. Her family's cool. My family's weird, and she has to hang out with them. Um, but the opposite is also true. If we raise emotionally unhealthy kids, they tend to be attracted to hang out with and marry unhealthy emotionally unhealthy people, which means I have to hang out. Now, that may be a selfish motivation, but just realize we're looking for our kids' future. 
And, and I desperately want my kids... I pray that my kids will, will fall in love with people who love Jesus and love the local church. We pray that all the time. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how much money they make. If they love Jesus and they love the local church, which is the hope of the world, then I am all for my kids marrying people like that. Now, there are two non-negotiables when it comes to our kids. Last two things. First thing with our kids, non-negotiable, is they want to feel accepted. When in doubt, connect with your child. It often helps, um, never hurts, and sometimes it is the entire solution to this dilemma that you're facing is they just got to know that you are for them, you're in their corner no matter what. So when in doubt, you are the adult. Don't expect your child to come to you. (laughs) That's when you're acting like a child. You make the first move because that's what our Heavenly Father did for us. He looked down and He saw that we could not get back to Him. He didn't say, clean up your act first and then I'll accept you. He came and died on a cross because He knew we were unhealthy enough we could not get to Him. So if you want to pattern your parenting skills after anyone, do it after God and connect with your child. Number two, they must have our time. We've got our dials here. And I want to ask you, parents, dads especially, let's say this is, this is the time dial. Who controls the time dial in your life? Who's holding a gun to your head saying, you've got to be at the office ten more minutes? Because in your kid's world, time equals love. And if you do not spend time with them, they will determine that everything else in your world is more important to them, to you, than them, and you will lose them. So we've got to dial ourselves in. And, and I know some of you are, are thinking, it's too late, I've lost my child, and it may be. You may have lost them, but, but if you've lost them and there is no hope, here's what you do. You serve your way back into their life. You serve them with no hope, no condition of anything that they will do for you. You serve unconditionally. And I promise, if you do that long enough, service melts the hardest heart. And God will redeem that relationship. Um, And and let me say this, because I know parents struggle with this. Like when you're disciplining, there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Punishment means you will pay for your past behavior and I will make sure of it. That's that's our our penal system. (laughs) That's uh, what what is happening in prisons. That's why there is like a 90% recidivism rate. Because it doesn't, punishment doesn't work. Discipline is about future behavior. My children have heard till they want to throw it up. The reason you're getting this SWAT is because I want you to make a better choice next time. This is all about future behavior. See the difference? We discipline because we want them to have a better future. We punish because we're ticked off about what they did in the past. There's a huge difference. When I discipline, there will be temporary disconnection, and temporary disconnection is okay. Long-term disconnection because something else is more important than they are is unacceptable in our children's lives. Don't you want your kids to want to come home for the holidays? Wouldn't you love it if they could not wait? They count down the days and the minutes until they get to drive to your house to celebrate the holidays with you. That's what I want. 
It's not going to happen if I try to control them. I've got to be handing off control of their lives as they get older. And as I do that, I gain influence. Let's connect with our kids. And let's remember that connection doesn't happen without time. You have a card, registration card, if you'd fill that out. If you've been here before, you just need to put your...